Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, Episode 462. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and I am so happy to have you here with us today. And I'm thrilled to introduce today's guest, Terry Ogburn. Terry is a business development expert from Ogburn's Business Solutions. And Terry, I just want to thank you so much for being here. Listeners, there are so many times I wish that you could hear the pre-chat, but I'm positive that we're going to take the awesomeness that was not recorded and bring it into our chat so you can experience it with us. But again, welcome, Terry. Yeah, thank you so much, Kim, for having me on your show. I appreciate this very much. Oh, you're so welcome. Terry, you know your story better than anybody else. So I would love if you would share a bit of your journey with the listeners so they know how you got to where you are today. It's a long story. I'll make it as short as possible. It actually started when I was in grade school, uh, about the time that you would have a paper out. So I wanted a paper out. My dad wanted a business plan. So that was my first writing of a plan. It wasn't very much. I just had to figure out how many nickels I was going to get from each customer and how I was going to pay the bike back. No big deal. That ventured into a lawnmowing business, which same concept came about. I wanted a lawnmower. Then later on in life, I got involved in sales and and work like most people. My dad was very important about make sure you have a good trade under you before you branch out to anything else. So that's what I did. Became an air conditioning technician and branched out into sales. I got fired out of the car business and I was like number one, number two and with General Motors. And anyway, they decided that they preferred I wasn't there. So I found myself wondering what I was going to do. So I was living in this apartment complex that had gone condo and they had a broken furnace duct. And I knew how to repair that, and I could do it for $15, thinking that there were 264 apartments, going to be condos. That was quick, about $4,000. That would give me a chance to get a little grub stake going and you know, get a car, get something to think. And so a mentor stepped into my life, which was the regional president for IBM. He would just open their office, or just he had just moved down to uh, take over. And he moved into the same complex, and... Jim Fox was his name, and he took me under his wing, and I went from technician to business owner and then went out and started helping people turn their businesses around. Sought out by a lot of corporate companies, Radio Shack, Uniglobe Travel, Metrocall Paging, AT&T Wireless, Century 21. So some major companies. I took my systems and processes and put them in play and would do turnaround stores for these different companies. And then in 2005, I decided to start my business when the downturn, when the recession hit. I thought it would be the young entrepreneurs and solopreneurs that would turn this country around. And so I ventured to help uh, people. And this has been doing it for 12 and a half years now. Oh, wow. I would love to hear more about your systems and some of your success stories of how you have helped some of these businesses turn around? Because I am the owner of one of those businesses that has needed to be turned around. Okay. The first mistake I say most business owners make is they have this great idea, they're, they think they're a technician or they're a good carpenter or something like that, and they are tired of the, the people uh, telling them what to do. So they want to do 
what they want to do. So they mm -hmm. jump out. And, and that's where the problems start to compound. And one of the things is it's not how much you make, it's how much you keep. So you have to learn how to keep your money. And there's yes. all kinds of ways to, that money slips through your hands. My dad says, even to this day, if money had handles on it, we'd hold on to it longer. You know, so it just kind of slips through our finger. Well, two things that we have control over, Kim, is time and money. So if we get our time, our 168 hours a week under control, and we get our money under control, we can really have uh, anything we want. So mine starts with time management. So everything starts around building disciplines in your life. I'll give you four things right now, and for your listeners, if you just put these four things in play, no matter what you're in, embarking on, whether it's personal, professional, it doesn't matter. You ready? I am ready. Okay. First of all, you have to have 100% commitment on the task, job, career, whatever it is you want. You, you mean you got to commit. That means burn the boats. That means you, you cut all ties of any retreat. And we get this from the art of war or, or in, from our military. They, they put our people in situations where we have, to, we have to win. Well, when you put yourself in that situation, you will win. You will, you will get, go to the top. Number two, you, we must have disciplines in our life to keep our commitment straight, mm. keep us moving towards that. So that means if you need to have education, then get up an hour early. Right. You can sacrifice an hour's worth of sleep to get education. It'll prove out to be beneficial in the, in, the, in the long run. If you don't understand budgets and expenses, then get a handle on that and be disciplined about that. Number three, the decisions you make from this day forward must reflect on the disciplines that you put in and the commitment that you made. If your decision, I give all your listeners and you complete control to procrastinate on anything that doesn't take you towards your goals. Wow. Lastly, but the best of all of this is number four, and that's visualization. If you want to be a, a strong entrepreneur, then you need to visualize yourself being a strong entrepreneur first. We think in pictures. So that's why vision boards work. That's why we, uh, we buy a car. We see that same car on the market. We see it everywhere we go. Well, no, it's because we now, our subconscious now recognizes it. So the more stuff we put in, into our subconscious, the more the subconscious can recognize, and then the more stuff that we get. It's kind of like the secret. Yeah. But you got to work. That's the key. You got to put forth the effort. I say oftentimes, money is the byproduct of the effort that you put in. Ooh. Yeah, I, I can totally see that. I was introduced to the Law of Attraction and the Secret in 2009. And it was so amazing to me when I was in forums, because this was before the day of, I mean, Facebook was around at that point, but Facebook groups, to my knowledge, were not. So I was in some forums and people were saying, you know, I just want to win the lottery. And my response at that time was, and I, I actually wrote this down, I wish I had a screenshot, was I don't care about winning the lottery, but I'd love to work for someone who did. Because I, at that point, I was an interior designer. And no joke, Terry, within a month afterwards, I was introduced to somebody who had won the lottery in my local area. There were a whole bunch of people, but it took work to get that introduction. 
we can't keep on praying for something to happen if we're not going to take the action to assist it to happen. Exactly. And I share with people a lot of times, I love Rhonda Byrne's version of The Secret. And I, and I understand she, she went into the public domain and she got three books and she, she put together that great piece. And it is. It's, the universe will provide everything. Well, in the book, The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace Waddles, he explains to us that everything that we have in today's world is, comes from the universe. No, no matter what, this computer, the mic, everything we have comes right here from the raw materials that are right here on Earth. So we haven't even explored all the different ways the universe can give us stuff. We put seeds in the ground. It produces crops for us. Right. All we have to do is just remember to do the effort. It's just not going to – I don't think you're going to sit there and uh, put fold your hands together like I dream a genie and it's going to appear out in front of you. But however, I do believe if you concentrate on a vision long enough – the pathways will open for you. You have to be able to also be able to recognize. I get this from Earl Nightingale. When an opportunity comes before us, we must be able to recognize it. And that's where I think most people make the mistakes. They don't, they're not reading the signs along the way. Absolutely. You just said a whole bunch of things that I'm just absolutely loving. I mean, everything that you said, I absolutely love. But I'm thinking about when I'm driving through my town, there are houses in my town that have a yard sign in front, like a, a house for sale sign, but it actually says Green Thumb Award. And ever since I moved to this town 14 years ago, I have wanted one of those signs. But you just said, you know, you, you put the seeds in the ground and they will grow. But what I've realized, and I've done this so many times, I can't even tell you how many times I've done it. I've planted the plants, but then I haven't done the watering or the weeding or everything else that's necessary for my garden to grow into the Green Thumb Award winning garden, right? And that's how it happens in our business too. We can plant all the seeds, but unless we nurture them and take care of them, and I had a word pop into my brain and then just disappeared, but it's not going to go anywhere unless we do the work. Exactly. Like with employees for our good or team members or, you know, yeah. they all have these different buzzwords. But one of my things is that I turn my organizational chart upside down. And when I'm working with a client, I want them to turn their organizational chart upside down and make the customer the boss. That was one of the successes, or I would say the main success in my air conditioning business, that I was customer service oriented in the service industry. Now, most people who call for a repairman, whether it be air conditioning, whatever, they're in fear mode because they, they don't they figured something's going to bad is going to happen to them. So, so they would come up with all kinds of things. I don't want to pay a service call. Okay, so let's don't charge the customer a service call. Well, we got to, Terry, because you got to have somebody's got to pay the, the truck and the insurance and stuff. Okay, so let's, let's bury it inside the cost of repair and then say to the customer, a uh, free service call with repair. So you just bury the cost of the repair service call in the repair job and that way both people win when we were when i first started the customer their air conditioner would break let's say so what we found out was that we had a dilemma so the customer the technician would say well we don't know how long we're going to be on the job we could be there for one hour to we could be there for five hours so we, there's no way to judge that well, the customer wasn't happy with that because they liked better time frames. So my idea was to put two-way radios in all of our trucks and then 
let the dispatcher take control, take the, the, the control away from the technicians, put the control in the dispatcher. She had a better viewpoint of the board so she could tell the, when the job could get finished. So then we found out by doing that, we found out when we asked the customer, when would be the best time for us to fix this? You would think that most people would say right now, but that wasn't their number one answer. Do you know what the number one answer was? I, I'm so intrigued. No, when is it? Can you come back when my husband is here? Ooh. Can you come back when my mother is here? Mm-hmm. You know, because they need to get back to work or they need to get someplace. Yeah. You were an interruption to their day. Yep. So now all we did was coordinate, create a win-win scenario. And then the same, the industry dictated that the technician, if they didn't sell the job, they didn't get credit for the job. So I took that argument away and said, okay, if you sell the job, you not only do you get credit for that job, I'll give you 2% of anything that that customer does for the rest of your life of this company. Wow. Now, these guys are out there trying to make sales. They're trying to get make sure that we stay within our guidelines. I had price books. I had it all mapped out. You can only imagine. And all they had to do was follow the system. Hmm. Call in, get permission, get figure it all out, go to the next call. And those technicians, I, I don't even want to call them technicians because I have one. Let me give an example of how that has been seen in our life. We had our furnace go out on a very, very cold day in the middle of winter, about a year and a half, maybe two and a half years ago now. And it was a Sunday. So in in many parts of our area, like the shops are just closed on Sunday, but we got in touch with somebody who was willing to come out and he told us right then, you have two options, but we can do a fix that will cost you $50, but I'm going to tell you right now that it may not last too long or we can replace your furnace. Well, we were struggling at that point and we knew that there were a lot of people who wouldn't have even told us about the $50 fix right? Because they're, they're in the business to make money and they want the new furnace. But we so appreciated the fact that he gave that option to us. I mean, we took that. So when our air conditioner went out six months later, he was the first guy we called. And as it turns out, he does so much more work. Like it's not just HVAC. He does electrical, he does plumbing and he's licensed in all of it. This has become our go-to guy because he puts the customer first. He realizes what's best for the customer may not necessarily be best for the business, but in the long run, it is best for the business. Exactly. And when we listen to our customer, then we can make better decisions. Mm -hmm. And just that same kind of story real quick was a guy had, I got a GE train franchise given to me, not having to pay for it at all, given to me simply because I had developed a system system on how to find leaks in in an air conditioning system. Everybody else says it can't be done. It's astronomical if you even attempted it. My job, I would say, we would split the system into three parts, separate the line set, evaporator and the condenser, pump them up. The factory said they pressurized things to 400 pounds of pressure under nitrogen, followed their protocols, stayed within their guidelines, and lo and behold, the work I did, and this was after two train companies could not f- find the leak, turns out I did, got it fixed, 
And it turned out the guy I fixed it for was the vice president of Tampa Electric, which is a big Tampa electric company in you know Tampa. Wow. And he's the one that demanded that I be a franchise because I was the only person who was ever going to touch his machine from that day forward. Wow. That's power. Yeah. So when you listen to the customer, it may not work out right now, but I get just like that man, I know his gates open up every day for the things that he, he helps his customers with. I'm going to circle back to something that we were talking about in our pre-chat, but we were talking about your free gift. Do you want to talk about your free gift really fast and then I'll explain why I'm bringing it up now? Sure. I offer to you and your listeners one hour of my time because I think that's a good thing to give to young startups and young entrepreneurs because they need help, you know, and, and why not? So I'm not here to sell, sell anybody. I'm not trying to, to make a sales pitch out of it. Just, you know, just a challenge you may be having and that we can roll up our sleeves and, and work on. When Terry brought this up with me in the pre-chat, I had to pause for a second because if this is your first episode listening, listeners, when I'm not on the Positive Productivity Podcast, a lot of the work that I do is helping business owners develop their marketing funnel. And it's always a concern for me when people are giving away time right up front because I'm trying to make sure that they're getting time back in their lives, right? But I've seen in the same way as you're offering time, Those times when I have given an hour with no expectation of return, they have turned into so much more than I could have possibly imagined. Like I might not have gotten paid by that person, but with a job well done, they've referred me to 15 more people who have paid. Exactly. And, you know, if you look at all major businesses, I'm talking big businesses, and we can pattern ourselves after them. We don't just because we have a small amusement park doesn't mean we can't act like Disney World. Right. So and one of the things is, you know, pattern yourself after the big guys and law firm. There's so many companies out there that do pro bono work. So wrap your head around it. Just donate so much of your time each year to do, you know, pro bono work. Absolutely. I so agree with that. I want to circle back to the four step the four steps that you introduced to us earlier, commitment, discipline, decisions, and visualization. I don't know why that word took so much time for me. Could there be a wrong commitment to make? Sure. Sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, greed is a, is a wrong commitment. And I don't mean cash flow is a wrong commitment. There are companies mm-hmm. out there that, that are greedy. They, they you know, they... You know, like some of the seminar things that you go to and uh, those people that their whole goal is to they have a sales goal to make and they don't care if the person opens the package or you know makes it work. Uh, but it's not just there. People think that cash flow that because they're churning. I work with a guy who's he's been in business for over three years and he's found himself buried in debt. And I explained to him because he was selling his product too cheaply after doing some investigative work and he said well terry i can't i'd have to charge a hundred dollars more per product and i said well that's what it's going to take to make a profit you said you wanted to make a profit now i just laid it out for you how what you're going to have to charge for that product so i said well it doesn't hurt just try it put it out there on the it's an internet company so put it out there and see what happens an hour later he had a sale then he built no box around that it, he, it would, nobody would buy it for any, you know, any more than that. 
I tried to explain to him there's a difference between Walmart and Nordstrom's. You can buy pants and dresses at both places, but why do people, why is Nordstrom's even in business? Mm -hmm. It's because of the guest experience, the quality. Right. So a lot of times, like in my air conditioning business, I was able to give a one-year guarantee on my work, parts and labor. And I advertised the heck out of it, Kim. I mean, I put it on everything. And every one of my competitors or the people in the industry said, Terry, you're going to go broke. You can't do that. And I said, yeah, you don't do it my way. What they didn't know was I was using OEM parts, original equipment manufactured parts, buying from Whirlpool, Sears, whoever. Okay. And that part came with the year guarantee. So all I was guaranteeing was that I could put a wire on and a clip on, wire for wire, clip for clip. <laughs> so if the part failed, the customer wasn't going to be mad at me. They were going to be mad at the Whirlpool company. Right. If I use a generic part, they're going to be mad at me. Well, right. I, don't, I don't like people mad at me, Kim. So be mad at the manufacturer if you want to, but don't be mad at me. Right. Because if you connected point A to point B your labor wasn't the problem no it wasn't the problem now if i had if i have to you know play, take a, a jump wire and put it in from terminal two to terminal four to make it work this relay to work on that particular unit then i'm, I'm trusting the factory a generic factory to build a part that's going to interchange that that wire and just by the right wire just or the right part to start with just made better sense cost more yeah yeah Get you charge more. Right. You're working on a cost, you know, analysis. I mean, everybody should be using, in my world, a performa. Most people in today's world don't even know what a performa is. In the old days, what we had to do is we had to project our income and we had to project our expenses. And also, we had to project our cost of goods because your cost of goods changes with the revenue. So to keep it on track, if anybody goes to my website and look at any of my testimonies, there's a couple in there that will tell you that after taxes, they're making better than 16% money, meaning they're keeping 16% of the revenue that they, they gain after they pay all their taxes. Wow. But that's just because you take things like one of the things I learned in the, the uh, air conditioning business was we all take credit cards. You take credit cards. Yep. Well, there's an expense to that, isn't there? There is. Okay. Are you passing that expense on to your customer? I'm not, actually. Well, in a service business, when you're taking 100 calls a week and the majority of them are paying in MasterCard Visa, guess what? That's a pretty big lump out of your out of your business, isn't it? It is. And, and the 3% really isn't that much more. I call it Barry. I don't mean, but you build it up by mm -hmm. adding value to your work. So right. by guarantee on it, I could charge a little bit more. But the first person they it breaks, like you said, with this guy, first person you call was me. Yeah. Now I had, I had a system in place for that. I had a mechanism that kicked in place for that. First of all, the industry dictated that the person that went on the call should go back on the call after hours. I didn't like that. So my Cure for that was the first technician that came available after that person called in, he was immediately dispatched as long as it wasn't the person who fixed it the first time. Now, when that person gets there, the customer says, wow, these guys run warranty first. 
different in the marketplace. We get there, we have a second opinion on the job. If this person on the job finds out that it's a technician's fault, he apologizes profusely, and then we have a we have a training class on that. I don't conduct the training class. The person who found the problem conducts the training class. Huh. Now, let's say that I go out there and the part that I put in is still working. Another part has failed. And the two parts together would almost be the cost of air conditioner. You've been there somewhere in that neighborhood, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're in that neighborhood right now. <laughs> so I then said to the to, would say to them, okay, I get you where you're at, Kim. So I tell you what, I'll credit you back the price on the, the part. You go pick the air conditioner you want, the model, get the model number, the price, you get your best deal. I will get you the same exact model. I will sell it to you for the exact same price. Plus, I will take off the charge that you, that I charged you the first time. Wow. Now, people thought I was you know, insane doing something like that. But I had a customer for life then. Not Mm -hmm. only that, but I had a customer that would go out and sing for raving fans for me. I lost on that job, but then I figured, well, you know what? I also worked on appliances. I worked on microwave. I have this, all these other opportunities to, to win that customer back. Oh, absolutely. I mean, our HVAC guy as I already said, he does so much more than just that. We need a new fence put into our yard. We're going to do an addition on the back of our house. We didn't know when we initially hired him to work on our furnace that he does all of this. But now he is the one that even if we're working with a different contractor or a building group, we're going to say this is the guy that we want to be on the job. Perfect, because in air conditioning, you know, I have a construction company, that a general contractor that I work with in Chicago, and his chief operating officer was concerned about me coming on board, you know, the typical thing. Well, what does he know about construction? So that was a question that brought up, you know, in the, in, in the early stages. And I said, well, let me explain to you from a general contractor's position. When you're an air conditioning man, you've got to know how to do plumbing, electricity, carpentry work, drywall work, painting you got to know it all because you can't afford to hire subs to come in and fix these things that you mess up. Absolutely. That's going to take so much time and put so much frustration onto the client. One of the things that we did, Kim, we first thing we do when we get to the house is we put the air handler in place, we put the condensing unit in place, and we would put hook it up, put a put them up in the attic and air conditioning the attic. Hmm. All the other companies were waiting to turn the air on after they completed the job. Now, one customer complained that we hooked up the air conditioner and started pumping cold air into the attic before the job was finished. Not one customer. You know why? Because their house was cool. Their house started cooling down. Yeah. The ducts, if it was already, I'm talking about when you had put new ducts in. So you, by the end of the day, you'd have a couple of ducts in the and already you know, grilled out and was ready to go. Yeah. And so, plus they saw the comfort. We worked better if we were in in comfort mode. And we explained that to the customer. And listen, we're going to turn the, first thing we're going to do is set the equipment, turn the air conditioner on so that our guys are comfortable. We get more done when we're comfortable. Yeah. It made sense. Yep. And they're not having to take so many breaks because they need to cool off. 
right. Yeah. 120, 130 degrees up there. At this time, like of present recording, it's it's a whole 83 outside here in Ohio, which is not, you know, it's not sweltering by any means, but in Ohio can get pretty uncomfortable. And I'm totally appreciating everything that you're saying, because when the air conditioning is working, we can work a lot easier. The total difference between turning it on at the beginning of the day and turning it on at the end of the day, what, might be $5 in electric, $10? If that. Yeah, if that, but the comfort for them in the long run and for the team in the long run. Wow. I want to go back to when you said you turned the organizational chart upside down. So by upside down, you said you put the customers on top, right? Correct. What about team members? Because I'm very curious, you know, we've, we have the head of the organization, but the team members often, I mean, just as you're talking about the technicians are out there in interacting with the client. So how would you suggest to you small businesses who are growing their teams to get the team more involved from the very start so that they're more vested into the success of the business? Well, that's introducing them to your culture. Each company has its own culture, the way it thinks, the way it operates. You know, my hope is everybody's on integrity levels at the most high levels. But that's the first thing. You got to sell your mission statement to your team. Now, when I break up my organizational chart, the team members, the frontline people, the ones that interact with the customer, that's the people like the salespeople, the marketing people, the customer service people, the accounts payables receivable, those people are all interacting with our customers all the time. So we make sure they're, we're, they're trained the way we want them to be handled. Okay, so they're working in the business. Uh-huh. And then we, the middle management, the managers, they're working on the business. So they're developing training programs because we learned this in Radio Shack days that if we had a customer come in and talk to one of our associates that and if the associate couldn't handle the problem, then he had to get the manager involved. And if the manager couldn't handle the problem, he had to get the district manager involved in the problem. So look at the money, Kim, that is being spent to get the problem solved. Oh, a whole load of paper pushing money, basically. So the idea came up, okay, let's put a limit on how far the front line, the associates can, so the number was $50. So if the part, if the piece coming back to us had a cost value of less than $50, they can make the exchange, they can handle it right then, no questions asked. Without receipt, you know, any of that stuff. Just satisfy the customer. So then the big people, the CF guys, the CFO, the CMO, those guys, those are your visionaries. Those are the guys that are painting the picture for the future of the income for the company, the marketing, the financial officers balancing the books, and the operations officer is making sure that the operation is running with systems and protocols and processes and things like that. I love it. My team has just recently really been getting put together. And part of the expectation straight from the get-go is I'd love it if you would document anything that you're doing on a repeated basis. And it's been amazing to see how they've been creating the documents, the standard operating procedures. And now I have team members who are training new team members. Because, And I, I always tell my team, if there's anything else that you see that's going on in the business that you want to learn, please just let me know. Because I want everybody to be passionate about what they're doing. But all of that had to start with me, like letting go. And I didn't 
maybe this is a sad excuse. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. But I didn't think I had the time to create the SOPs, to hire new team members and teach them how to do what I was doing. But once I started letting go and started giving up activities, even the simple task, Terry, of managing my inbox, I didn't realize that in 15 minutes, I could write a pretty clear description of what stays, what goes, and what and what happens to everything that's in the inbox. I thought it would take me hours to write that document. It took me 15 minutes. And now on any given Monday, because Mondays are somewhat scary as far as my inbox are concerned, or they were, I'm still getting over the fear. Any given Monday, I come in and look at my email. There's at most 15 emails in there because everything has already been cleared out. The important stuff has already been taken care of. And everything that's left is the stuff that only I can do. Perfect. And I'll give you one little little nugget to go with that. Please. Not only do you, what you're doing is absolutely correct. I call it empowering. You empower them. Okay. But now how uh, your listeners and you could, an example of working on the business would be to go out and first just get the, the t- a title for that position with, let's say, customer service. Okay. And then go out to Google and then just Google job description for customer service. Then it'll pull up and then it'll have all the responsibilities that typically fall into that category. And then you pick and choose the ones that you are either doing or that you would like to add to that list of things that the people have created for you. I love that. I have to share with you and I've shared little tidbits of this on previous episodes, but I've never gone into so much detail before. I didn't have job descriptions for every single job. I had the basic roles that I was trying to fill with a brief description. And then I had one application form that I was using for all. And I actually had two sort of trick questions in my application. One is impact or income. That's all I asked in the question. Actually, I think I said impact or income and why. And I'm not going to tell you which one I'm looking for people, but if you've been listening for a while, you know which one I'm looking for. And then the second question was, what is Kim's favorite snack at the moment? And the answer was actually somewhere on the page, if the people would look for it. And the people who had the answer were automatically moved on to the next round because they were looking for details. But you wouldn't believe some of the answers I found or received. can imagine they're bizarre. Same with me with my air conditioning business. I had developed an air conditioning test, a refrigeration test, and a, uh, an appliance test. And before you even got to sit down, you had to be able to pass those tests. And they were you know, trying to stump you tests. They were just common sense questions on how you would handle situations. And were you finding that people who just knew nothing about the industry would come in and Oh, yeah. I I had coined a phrase for that. That was, you can't sit in front of the fireplace and and demand heat when you're not willing to go out and chop the wood. Yeah. Yeah. And we've had many people come in to our world today expecting that they're going to get paid, you know, real wages and they're just interns. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I credit this. A lot of people are, you know, dandruff will fly up, so to speak, but I attribute it to participation sports. Yeah, you can't get off the sideline unless you're willing to. Well, to no, be. I mean, 
what I mean, Kim, is that when kids, sh- kids shouldn't get a trophy when they just to show up. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's my belief. They should earn it. Yeah, I agree. Because if we give them trophies for just showing up, then they think all they have to do in life is show up and I'm going to pass school. I'm going to pass. I got a granddaughter just like that. She thinks all she has to do is show up at school every day and get marked in for credit. And then somehow she'll muddle her way through and, and get uh, uh, graduated. Well, she probably would because teachers just want to move you from one class to the next. Uh-huh. What are you going to do when you get out there and you have no practical sense? No common sense. Oh, my gosh, Terry. My husband is wrapping up his last week at his job right now, and he's going to be coming home to pursue his dream career. But one of the challenges that he's been facing, he's a retail manager, is that employees were not showing up on time. And when he discussed it with the bosses, what they did was they put a bonus onto the paychecks for people who showed up on time every day of their work week. That's corporate America at its worst. You can't throw money at stuff and expect that to have a lasting effect. Oh, absolutely not. And I just shook my head. I was like, just get rid of them and find somebody who actually wants to be there. Because another thing that was happening was, and this is a retail organization. Yes, I do actually hope that the owners of the shop will listen to this episode at some point. It's a retail, so people are walking in all the time, you know, looking for help. But the employees were playing this game where they would put their fingers on their nose. And the last one to put their finger on their nose was the one that would have to serve the customer. This didn't happen in my husband's shop. This happened in the second shop that he's not the manager of. And he was just absolutely disgusted because customers pick up on this stuff. Oh, yeah. They're very wise people. Mm-hmm. So nobody wants to work with me and get my money. So I just have to go to the last person who didn't even see me walk in and then put their finger on their nose. And also, customers nowadays, better than 80% of the time, are starting their buying process online. Online, so, yeah. So they know more about it. So they're coming in as an optimistic observer. I don't mean optimistic. They're coming in as an observer to see how they're going to be treated. Oh, absolutely. Whenever possible, I actually do all my shopping online, including grocery shopping now. Because it, it, it just saves time and hassle and not having to wait in line and... Yesterday, I had to remind myself some patience when I was going down an aisle behind four people in the wheelie carts. But, you know, I, we're just in the hurry, hurry, hurry mode. But we want respect while we're hurrying, too. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What are some of the important decisions that you see failing business owners failing to make and that you want to encourage them to make in their business on a daily basis? Practice Learning. If Mm -hmm. we've spent any time, we should be spending an hour a day focused on learning something new about our craft. Then one hour a day in five years or less, you'll be an expert in your field. So turn your car into a learning opportunity. If you spend more than 30, 45 minutes in going in one direction, then turn your CD, you know, into educational CDs. That's the same as, a, as two semesters in college by just driving. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I have just recently, because I'm growing my team, I'm actually able to take time back for myself every day. I use HabitShare app. This is not a promo for them, but I just have to share it with listeners. I have habits that I'm trying to 
build in my life. One is read for a half hour a day and another one is personal professional development. And sometimes those two overlap, but I'm putting that into every day. What can I be learning? I think I scare my husband sometimes because I'll be watching a training video and I'll understand it inside joke and I'll just start laughing. He's like, what are you watching? I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm just learning. He's like, but you're laughing? I'm like, yeah. yeah. But there's just so much. I, I can't believe how sponge-like. I was actually talking to one of my kids about it last week. I think it was actually my four-year-old. She's like, how do you know so much? And I said, well, I know so much because I'm older. I, I think I actually said I'm old. I said, but you wouldn't believe how much mama's still learning, even this old. <laughs> she she likes to count the new gray hairs as they're coming out. Yeah. I was like, part of your job is to keep on learning, babe. She's like, hmm. And then she got distracted and moved on. But I didn't ever realize how much more there would be to learn, even when I'm in their eyes old, you know, but I love it. I love to learn. What are you reading right now, Terry? Oh, I've got a couple of books going. Uh, one is Endless Referrals by Bob Berg, because a lot of uh, business comes from referrals. Mm-hmm. So I've trained a lot of salespeople, so you can fill your funnel a lot faster with referrals. I'm also reading a great book by Harris Faulkner. It's called The Nine Rules of Engagement. I just finished another book by a couple of Navy SEALs, and that's The Art of the Deal. That's a good book, too, for negotiations and understanding how to to put deals together. You are not helping my Amazon wish list. (laughs) (laughs) Listeners, before I forget, I want to let you know that all the books and resources that we've talked about will be in the show notes, which you can find at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP462. What are you most excited about in the next 90 days? Getting through the summer, I always dial back a little bit during the summer, vacation, spending time with my family. We just came back from a family reunion vacation type thing. So we'll get through that. All, all Everybody gets back to school, so to speak. I don't have any myself, but I like my grandkids and those guys. They're all there. Then I can focus the next last quarter, focusing on what I'm going to do for 2019. I always plan a quarter ahead for the year. Like I'll be working on 2019 stuff in the last quarter of this year, instead of waiting till the beginning of the year to start my process. Oh, thank you for sharing that. So I just want to ask a question about that. Does that mean that you plan a quarter ahead? Or will you plan the whole next year? No, I, I plan a year, and then I chunk it down to quarters. And at the end of the year, I uh, end of the quarter, I, I evaluate the progress, realign my goals for the next quarter, reestablish a year out, and then I'm always working a year out, but one quarter at a time. Oh, I love that. Terry, do you believe that there's any such thing as too big of a goal? Go big or go home. You know, it's, you know, people, uh, one, Earl Nightingale once told, uh, you know, in a tape said, if you shoot for the moon and you hit the sky, that's one thing. If you shoot for the stars and hit the moon, that's another thing. It's mm. so beautiful. Sometimes I feel like my goals are a little bit overinflated. So I was asking for a quote friend. (laughs) I would suggest this to you or your listeners, all Uh of you. Okay. Decide what the objective is, Mm -hmm. whatever that your want is, your desire, understand what that is, then back it with your purpose. Why is it important to you to have that goal or that objective or whatever? Why is that important? 
And then what, by having that, what will it produce? What result will it help you with? And if you add those, it make it, it's not going to be grammatically correct, but if you put that all together, it's what I call a priority. Then you break priority down into bite-sized pieces that accomplish that in three, four, five steps. Oh, I love that. What is your purpose, Terry? Bridge the gap between dreams and reality. Every client that I have or every person that we come in contact with, whether it's a team member or whoever, we first have to find out what their dream is. What is their, their dream? And then see if their dream aligns with our vision. Wow. I've seen, in my experience, just so many clients who have forgotten their dream. So I appreciate that so much. They get bogged down in the technical work. They and do. They, and they forget that they, we should be spending two to four hours a week on our vision. What we really, you know, our vision board, our vision, how we want our company to look, how many employees we want, what kind of dollar volume. You want to be a million-dollar company, $5 million company. You know, what kind of company do you want to be? Mm. It took me way too many years, but it's part of what fed into the, the start of positive productivity. But it took me way too many years to realize that my business shouldn't have been all about me working on my client stuff 80 hours a week. That where was me? I know that wasn't grammatically correct, but where was I in my business? Exactly. Yeah. Terry, this has been an amazing chat. Where can listeners connect with you online and get to know more? TerryOgman.com. Simple. Go there. Uh, check out the testimonies. I've got some great testimonies on there, videos that, of people that I've worked with. Also, there's a Contact Us button. So if you click on that, you can put your name and a challenge that you may be having or subject matter you want to talk about. Just send me that over. And uh, we'll schedule an hour to, to see if we can't solve that problem for you. Again, thank you so much. You have fed my brain. I'm actually just, full disclosure, I'm usually so wrapped up in conversations that I don't take notes, but I have the four steps written down in front of me right now. And I'm so excited to go see how I can put them into action even more than I already have. But I have to remind everybody that it's small steps. We can't run a marathon without the training that comes before it. So just take the small steps today and we'll get, we'll be able to run the marathon someday. You will. Do you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you can offer to listeners? My favorite quote is, uh, or I have a lot of them, uh, but the most one that, that I like the most, I would say is Wayne Gretzky. Remember you miss a hundred shots, hundred percent of the shots you never take. So a call to action, you know, by getting with me or getting with Kim or getting with somebody to help you would be the best thing for all of us. You can reach me at my website, terryogwin.com. Click on the Contact Us button. Fill out your name and uh, email address. Send me a challenge, and we'll schedule an appointment, and we'll work on that challenge together. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level.